Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files this Tuesday edition. Uh, they, you know, you know we're just going to have, you know, sometimes ever so often you get these situations where chaos rules. And in the radio business, chaos rules. Uh, so we had a guest who was a former, like I say, had been a longtime reporter in the NFL out of the Washington, D.C. area. And she's one of these ladies I've been interested in trying to get on the show simply because, first of all, she went to the same university I did, maybe five, six years uh, later, and now she's also involved in more politics. So we were going to talk football, talk politics, but she she has a father who's got some issues with dementia in an assisted living facility, and she kind of called me up and said, we got an emergency at the nursing home. So... She's going to be joining us, but don't worry, folks. We're going to still talk some football. We're going to still talk a political smorgasbord because with me is South Carolina's own swamp girl, Pam. Hey, Pam, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good tonight, Tom. How you doing? Not too bad. So how's your dad doing? Um, he's doing pretty good. Um, the story you just told about like having one in the nursing home and you know yeah. taking care of one—that's kind of what I've been doing lately. Oh, yeah. So interesting. Yeah, no, because I know yeah. you. You know, you mentioned that you were on your you were on your way back. Yeah, you know, when we talked. So, but Correct. You know, I, I, Correct. I was really psyched to talk football. Yeah, the first part of the show yeah. talked NFL football. Yeah, and. And I was off the air, off the air with the uh, L.A. Bachelor, the the leader of our network, the Bachelor News Radio Network, ladies and gentlemen. Which, by the way, now that uh, we got that here, you can listen to this show and other shows on the BachelorNews.airtime.pro. And we'll talk more about that as the show continues. Uh, we got a lot of great shows to listen to, including ours. You can listen to our shows uh, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can listen to it at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time twice a day, uh, plus we're on StreamYard.com and other networks. And, of course, we're here live Tuesday and Wednesday on Block Talk Radio on this particular network, followed by you and the law and the resistance tonight and the resistance hour tomorrow. More details as we continue. All right. But you're not, I mean, you are, you're, you're following the Carolina Panthers. I'm following the the Washington football team, who, for some reason, have decided that they, you know, they've read too much of their clippings on defense and have yet to play defense. But yeah. on the other side of the equation, you can't have your defense on the field 40 minutes a game and expect them to do well. And that's exactly what happened against the Buffalo Bills uh, and Josh Allen. But I. So here's what I'm going to start with here. I, I, I'm going to start with this. 
because I'm looking at all these divisions, and, and we're living in a world where things are like backwards. But your Carolina Panthers are really kind of an interesting team. I mean, I know now McCaffrey's out. Now, how long is he out for? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard that this week. You know, I I know he was injured and he's out. Um, but yeah. I feel like they've got enough talented other people, um, you know, to to fill in the gaps. Um, yeah. Well, I, they just played. Before. I don't think they played the best football. Okay. I just think for yeah. some reason they're on. The, and I hate to say it, but I am saying I think they're on a little bit of a lucky streak. You know, because I saw some, you know, missed tackles, things like that. You know, things things that were going on, but. Uh, uh, you, you, you know, you just ha- sometimes you just have to sit back and go, okay. Because <laughs> well, I also watch. I mean, I watch the Seahawks and and uh, and then watching the uh, uh, the Chiefs. You know, yeah. Um, Kansas City. I was like, you know, they were supposed to win, and that one just fell apart. Yeah. Well, totally. yeah, we're gonna follow that up. Yeah, there's a, you know, we're going to you know, follow up that little chase, keep that in mind. Here's the thing with the Panthers is this. Uh, sometimes, you know, you have to look at organizations. Uh, and if I'm an agent to the NFL, I think rule one would be don't get drafted by the New York Jets. And if they threaten to draft you, find a way <laughs> to say, hell no, I ain't going. Because I'm saying, you know, Sam Darnell suffered three years. Uh, I know they got a new yeah. coach, but you know, the last year they had that—I can't remember—got Adam Gross, whatever his name is, a lousy coach. He was lousy in Miami. That somehow ended up prompting him to get a job with the Jets, which he did even worse. And you know, quite honestly, you know, the guy basically had a bad team, bad organization, and there were a lot of people saying, you know, you know, came much, you know, he was he was being viewed as a flop. Well, he comes to the Carolina Panthers where you got a good head coach in that role. And this guy is playing so much better than what he did with the Jets. I don't know if it's case well, after see, four told, years. In, yeah. Go ahead. I, I think I've told you this before, though. My, my, in my opinion, quarterback is only as good as his offensive lineman. Yes. You know, if you've got a good offensive line protecting you, a lot of these guys can do really good. But if those guys miss, and stumble and, you know, do all kinds of, you know, don't know the plays, then you're going to have a problem. And I think that they didn't focus on that with the Jets. They traditionally haven't well, much. Well, they have, you know. well, they have just focused on a lot of things. Because now you got Zach Wilson, who basically has had three games, and he's had, you know, three flops. He's only three. Right. And you're, th- and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I feel bad for the guy because, you know, everybody was – I mean, here's the thing. During preseason and even during building up the preseason, you know, everybody said, you know, this could be the best quarterback of all the bunch that got drafted. He could be the Correct. best. Well, he's on a bad team, you know, that he's on a toilet, he's on a turf, a bad team, and as a bad team, he's, you know, as you said, you know, no offensive line, no real talent around him. You know, he's going to have a lost year. You know, and I just hope, you know, what happened, you know, almost happened to Sam Darnell doesn't happen to him. Or I thought, you know, like, and the other thing that comes into play here is, again, you look at that division. Okay, 
Tampa's going to win the division. You know, they're the best team in the division. Kyle, the I Saints, saw Tampa having problems the other night, though, Tom. Yeah, Tampa but, you know, squeezing the, out. They were having some problems tonight. Yeah, but you know what? They're playing, a, you know, they were playing the Rams. The Rams are a very good team. They got a very good defense. They do. And, they, they do. And Matt Stafford has finally been put on a team to use all of his talent. He's got talent around him like he never had at Detroit. He's got a good, smart head coach. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, the thing is, you're playing, you know, and they're a team that's going to be one of the top two or three teams at the end of this year in the NFC. I just well, look yeah, at them. Yeah, we know that. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I don't see Tampa losing. But I, here's the thing with the Panthers. you got 17 going into the playoffs. And the Saints don't have, you know, you know, Drew Brees. They got you know, Winston. And, you know, so far Winston has not been overly impressive. It's been the Saints' defense that's carried them. Uh, and so this the question I, I wasn't. Yeah. It's sad to see that, though. You know, you yeah. have your favorite teams, and you have your teams that you never really pulled for and stuff, and that was, that was pretty sad. So yeah, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's. I just think I mean this is a, you know the the Panthers and the number thing and the thing is when you're you know near last place you got the you know you go by your record so they may not have the mm-hmm. toughest schedule compared to the, what Tampa's right. got, even the Saints. So it's going to be kind of interesting. I think they got a shot at the playoffs in that division. Uh, you know, at least a shot, you know, possibly, at that division. What's the Tom Donaldson? we got the Swamp Girl on. Uh, we'll be right back here. This is the Tom Donaldson. Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? One in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Don Donaldson, Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you can listen to this show and other great shows on the Bachelor News Network. And this is how you get to the bachelornews.airtime.pro. Put your pen and papers out. I want you to listen carefully. The, this is how you spell Bachelor, 
B-A-T-C-H-E-L-O-R, news.airtime.pro. We got a list of all of the different shows that you can have right now. For example, you and the law is playing right now the network. That doesn't mean you tell this show's over because I don't want you turning over there because you can listen to you and the law live later. But you get the point. We can listen to these shows twice a week, twice a day, every day, seven days a week, along with listening to it live Tuesday and Wednesday on this particular network. And we will be followed by you and the law uh, shortly on this particular network. And don't forget tomorrow is is Tom is the resistance hour with Tom and Dr. Larry and Tom, along with the Donaldson Files. Uh, we'll talk more about the guests coming up uh, shortly. All right. Okay. Well, see, here's the thing. Yeah. I'm a, uh, okay. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the Panthers got a shot at the playoffs? If they maintain this consistency, you know, we, at the beginning of the season, you see teams and then they try to make adjustments and then they fall down on you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been disappointed in the Panthers, you know, because I have been a long-time Panthers fan. I've been a long-time Falcons fan. Um, the Falcons, you know, that's all we had down here for a while, you know. So, you know, I've got my little favorites. Like, I like Green Bay, you know when they're playing sometimes. Um, the Steelers, I kind of go back and forth. It depends on who they're playing. You know, I can pretty much tell you who I don't like more than who I like as far as being a right, fan. Who yeah, who you don't like? Uh, I don't like the Seahawks. And I really don't like the Cowboys, and that's historically, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I'm agree with you. Um, because like I said, I've been watching, you know, if you've been a Washington fan all your life, the Cowboys are one of those things you hate. You know, correct, like, correct, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I spent a whole lifetime hating these people. Uh, so, well, not but, not uh, hating, but you know, I just they, they, I'm not pulling for them if they're playing, and and well, uh, the I'll, Seahawks, I'll I'm not pulling hate. for them if they're playing. For me, yeah, I, I'm gonna yeah, use the word hate. Yes, I will. Well, but here's the thing. <laughs> Let's get the, yeah. Well, here's the thing because the, I'm looking at each division. Yeah, you know, Washington. You know, so right now Washington's offense. You know, they're in a shamble. I mean, basically, you know, you got to be asking yourself, can Taylor Henneke become a decent quarterback and take the pressure off the defense? And will the defense actually show up? Because they literally, you know, have you know, been shredded. You know, they got shredded in the opening game by uh, you know, Herbert of the Chargers. You know, they mm-hmm. made uh, Daniel Jones look like a Hall of Famer. Uh, and then uh, – the Giants quarterback, and then obviously now Josh Allen's a very good quarterback, but he's had two subpar games, and he seemed to get out of his funk uh, very quickly against the rent, you know, against Washington. So, but here's the thing: you look at all these divisions. The one division that's the toughest is the West. Okay, if the Forty ers are two and one, they got a good, you know, you know the quarterback's back, and it's, you know he's playing decent. Uh, the Cardinals are three and zero. The Rams looking really good in three and zero. I mean, those you know, right there, you got two teams that could come into the playoffs. In the Midwest, okay, you got the Packers. The last, you know, the first game they got beat, they got beat badly, and mm-hmm. I, 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 and I remember what you know, you know, Aaron Rodgers. They asked him, "Oh, what do you think?" You know, it's the uh, his answer was, "Hey, it's one game. We got sixteen more left to go. I'm not going to panic." <laughs> And he's had two great games right in a row. And he's looked really good. 
And, you know, when I was watching the Bears, uh, you know, Fields is not ready to play. I mean, he's a rookie quarterback who played like a rookie quarterback against the Browns. Yeah. And the Vikings surprised me because they basically beat up on these, you know, they're, they beat up on that Seattle defense. They did. I would like to see the Vikings, you know, do pretty good. Uh, yeah. I think they can, you know. I would I would love to see that, but um, I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's to me, and, and until it gets about mid-season, yeah, you know, we'll we'll know a little bit better. You know, give them a few more yeah, games to get into here. Yeah, we'll know better, obviously. But it's I'm looking at the division. I'm looking at okay, the South Division and the A, you know, the NFC. You got the Panthers, mm-hmm. Saints, and Tampa. I think all three of those teams look pretty good. Uh, watching, you know, in the East because it's going to come down if the Washington defense plays well and Haneke playing better on offense, certainly better than he did against the Bills. It'll be an interesting division, but I don't, you know, Dallas looks pretty good, unfortunately, with Dax and Prescott. And you got the West, you got the 49ers, Seattle, the Rams. And speaking of the Chiefs, I mean, this is interesting because you're right. I mean, you, you turn the ball over four different times. You're not going to win too many. Yeah, games. buddy. That's something. That was just absolutely something. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I was watching the game, and it's like I'm looking up, and it's like, you know, wow. It's like three. They had like three turnovers in a row. They were like the first half. Yeah, it was. That was a. The you never, you know, you never think you're going to see something like that from, uh, you know, your basically Jeez, winners. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, no, they haven't been touched. Be they haven't been touched in so long. Well, how many games yeah. was it that they'd won straight in a row? You know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't keep saying because they're playing in the AFC division. But here's the thing. The Raiders, Derek Carr is one of those quarterbacks, in my view, has always been underestimated. You know, you know, he's, you know nobody has really appreciated the last couple of years he's had. He's had a couple of really good years. He's played really well this year. And and they're 3-0. and And the Broncos are 3-0. and Now, I think a lot of that is the defense. But Bridgewater is right. competent. And the Chargers got a Herbert. It's just a Herbert guy is going to be a pretty good, a long-time good quarterback. And so the problem with the Chiefs yeah, is, is, that, is that they're not going to be able to go through their division. Like last year, the last three years in a row, they've had like a couple of years, they've had like, you know, 14 and 2, 13 and 3. I mean, they literally, you know, they were always the best team, top seeded team over the past three years in the AFC. Right. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure this year they're going to be that year. They're going to really have to have a fight on their hands because they're playing in a division that I think you got teams. I won't say caught up to them, but they're much more talented. And uh, the Chargers and the Raiders both have very good quarterback play. And you get good quarterback play, you're pretty good. Uh, yeah, but they also the case, learn how to recruit some of the other positions too. I don't know if you noticed yeah. it, but it was almost like. Sneak attacks on getting, you know, defensive linemen and um, offensive linemen. You know, like I say, once you got a good front, you can do about you know, do about anything. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's what I look at. I, and you know, where, where do these guys come from? You know, what are they doing? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, they absolutely. I mean, they absolutely. I mean, it's like absolutely. Uh, 
they got some you know, talent there. It's going to be interesting. And the East, I like the Bills. I mean, they have Sunday plays. Great, they got good defense. Josh Allen's the best quarterback in that division, uh, bar none. Uh, they're well coached. And okay, the Patriots, you know, they've decided they're going to play with a rookie quarterback, and so that was that was a mistake. But okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're one and two. I mean, who's, who would have thought? And you know, Dolphins are one and two. The Jets, well, they're just playing bad. They're just playing bad. And then you go to the mid, you know, you go to the North Division with the Steelers, and I don't know. I'm going to just say this, and I had this conversation, uh, you know, with uh, again off the, you know, before we started the show with some, and I think old Big Ben may be at the tail end of his career. I think this may. Oh, be did it. you see that? Did you see that? Like, let me throw the ball and fall on the rear end the other day. Oh my goodness! I can't believe it did that. I think it would have. Yeah. I don't know if it was an interception or not, but. I was like, no, he didn't. He just, like, threw the ball, fell down. What? Yeah. You know, there was no poise, no nothing. I was like, uh-uh, no. No, 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 no. Um, But, um, you know, I don't know. He's always been kind of fun to watch. You know, he's been one of those guys that's been been fun to watch. He's 39 years years old. Here's the thing. you got Rudolph. Your backup quarterbacks is Rudolph and Dan Haskin. You know, who last year uh, lost his job to a to Haneke, essentially. So uh, he lost. Yeah. So that's yeah. So that's going to be kind of a, yeah. That, so you're absolutely yeah. Uh, I mean, I just look for. I mean, you look at there's, there's, there's those moments. You look at a quarterback. You look at a team, and you just say, you know, what do you got left? And it's it's always sad to see a player at the end of his career who doesn't quite, you know, he just doesn't have it anymore. You mean you mean and, like Brett Favre? He's trying to play. Yeah, Brett Favre. To play. <laughs> yeah. He kept kept. I mean, he was gonna play. He was gonna play. You're like, no, Dave, yeah, please, for, please, yeah, yeah, please, please go. No, he, well, the he, thing is, I mean, game, the, he left the Packers. <laughs> he went to what the Vikings. He went to the uh, yeah the Jets. Yeah. And you know the thing is. He, you know, he wasn't the same quarterback, and it's, you know, really there's a point somewhere where you can say, you know what, let's, you know, leave when you're on top. Uh, exactly. Then you look at the rest and, of the and that's, that's what well, I'm saying, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, please. Here's the rest of that division. <laughs> you got the Ravens. You got the Ravens. They got Lamar Jackson, good young quarterback. I love this quarterback. You know, he's a totally different kind of quarterback. Bengals got Joe yeah, Burrow. Yeah. He stays healthy, and so far he's been playing good. And uh, and you got Baker Mayfield for the Browns. You got three young quarterbacks in that division uh, that are pretty good. I understand that. I think Baker Mayfield might be a little bit overrated, but that's just my personal opinion on that. Huh. You say underrated or overrated? I did. Overrated. Overrated. Yeah. I don't think he quite. He needs to get in a, you know, rhythm and get it, you know. Well, you know, the thing, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll say, I mean, the thing is, he's got, they got, you know, you got two very good running backs. You got, you know, Beck, you know, uh, Odell Beck, or is that his name? Yeah, he's playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, the thing is, there's enough talent on that team 
and they could have easily have beaten the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs could easily have been over three. Right. So, and that's an interesting division because you got again, you know, like the AFC West, you got some young quarterbacks, you got teams on the rise, and and one, and so you know that at least two of those teams could end up in the playoffs in the South. Uh, far, I'm looking at the South, and I'm just seeing the uh, Tennessee Titans. The Texans, uh, uh, they got a rookie quarterback. The Jaguars have a rookie quarterback. Indianapolis have Carson Wentz, but he has, you know, but they're always three. So Yeah, that's one of the things down here. You know, the, the what is it, uh, Jaguars quarterback um, yeah, Trevor right, came from Clemson. Yeah, he's a Clemson dude, so... With Clemson losing this week, um, you know, everybody everybody's singing that ain't no sunshine when she's gone. I mean, they've really been giving Clemson players, uh, fans a hard time here. And that's a, a big rivalry down here. But the only team that's doing good in the state of South Carolina is Coastal Carolina right now. So it's kind of interesting with that, yeah. but um, which you don't hear from, you know, you don't hear about too much, but uh, they had a good baseball team. Now, hold on, but, this is Tom Dawson, Dawson Files and the Bachelor News Radio Network. Oh. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse! Go, guys! Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? <laughs> of course, I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow, Jinx. <laughs> did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Don't forget, tomorrow night on the Resistance Hour, we're Dr. Larry and Tom. We're going to you know, be taking a look at politics from a conservative perspective and the post-Trump era. Listen to us live every Wednesday, 7 8, on this network. And you can listen to us on the Bachelor News Radio Network and BachelorNews.airtime.pro. Tomorrow we're going to have a – we're putting together an educational – uh, a panel discussion. So we got, and it should be kind of interesting because we're going to have, we're you know at this point, uh, we're looking to invite the 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 chairperson of the Prince William's uh, school district, 
a Democrat, and we also have a George Mason scholar, uh, as well as discussing educational issues uh, on the on this particular show. So it should be a good one. Uh, and don't forget, SebastianNews.airtime.pro. Hey, if you want to call in and just uh, you know, have any questions about football or politics or anything tonight here, we got the Swamp Girl uh, from South Carolina. Uh, and you can call 646-929-0130, 646-929-0130, followed by you and the law at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. for uh, Central Time. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, let me ask you a question. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Clemson is kind of interesting because they're 2-2. Two and two, But the entire ACC doesn't look that good at all this year. As a conference, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I don't know what I don't. You know, people. Things that I've heard about it um, is is because they changed the rules and allowed them to collect money for their autographs and things like that. That a lot of these young fellows now are thinking more about the money. Um, And that's I, I doubt. I mean, I hope that's not the case. You know, you're not in the pros yet, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, you know, here's the thing. Uh, they're I mean, more focused you know, on doing money, you know, getting things to get money to get paid. Uh, they're doing yeah. commercials. They're doing this. They're doing, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of bizarre. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, right now, I mean, here's what you got. Okay. Wake Forest is, yeah, yeah Wake Forest is 4 0. Uh, Louisville's 3 1. Uh, Clemson Tigers here are two and two. Uh, so it would be kind of interesting because, you know, in the past they've been the class of the, you know, they've been the class of the ACC. So it's going to be kind of interesting. And here's the thing. I mean, how, you know, you look at Florida State. I mean, there was a time and place. You looked at Florida State and, you know, what, you know, they would be fighting for the title. You know, they're like Correct. four and four. And they're just a bad yeah, no. I mean, it's not just their own form. They're just a bad old form. Uh, so, I mean, they're at home 0 and 3. At home 0 and 3. So, and then we got your Southeast Conference here. Let's go look at the Southeast Conference here. And, here we go. and your Gamecocks are. <laughs> Or zero and two in the zero and two in the Southeast Conference. Yeah, they uh, they put a lot of bank on uh, this one uh, quarterback, Doty. Um And then when yeah. he got injured, uh, they really were scrambling around looking for somebody. So what you have at Carolina yeah. now is you got a guy like Doty that can ruin, but then you've got a guy like the other dude they found. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. They can throw. Um, but the other yeah. night, and, and Beamer said it was bad play calling, they just kept calling the same play. And uh, Steve Spurrier once said a while back, a long time ago, if you if you've got a – if you keep running straight into a line and you don't go anywhere, you learn to go around them. Um, yeah. You can't call the same play, but – but apparently, it looked like they were only playing. And Clemson did the same thing. They were only calling four plays the whole time. Yeah. It was crazy. Well, the thing is, it, 
<laughs> yeah. Well, they lost to Kentucky. Now, Kentucky is listed as 4 0 right now. Well, yeah. But, but here's the thing you got. I mean, that's still the conference of the the class of the conference because Alabama is number one at 4 0. Georgia Bulldogs yeah, at 4 0. Like uh, Florida, you know, number, ranked 10, but they almost beat Alabama. So it wasn't like they came back to play a good game against Alabama. So. Uh, it's going to be kind of interesting now. In the Big Ten, I, you know, since the um, Iowa Hawkeyes are four and zero, with you know one and zero the conference, and they're going to play Maryland, who's also four and zero next week, and they got Penn State after that, so they got a pretty tough I schedule. They, well, I think they're. I actually believe that they can take Maryland, and I believe that they can take Penn State. Um, yeah. Well, Maryland's pretty Penn good. Penn State I mean, has some stutters better, the other yeah. night, huh? Yeah. yeah, it's a much better team than what they. But it'd be interesting. It's going to be like, uh, but Penn State's pretty is playing pretty well too. But it's going to be kind yeah, of interesting, like I say. But I would look, like I say, I was here the thing. We played uh, Indiana. Uh, yeah, who was supposed to be ranked pretty good, and Iowa State does, and we went to Iowa State, who probably had the best team they've had in a long time, and we beat them. Uh, they didn't exactly look overwhelming against Colorado State. Yeah, I'm kind of concerned about their offense, but uh, yeah, we're going to see. It's going to be kind of an interesting. Uh, it's going to be kind of an interesting play because you know I'll tell you the truth. You know some of these big teams like Ohio State has not looked that overly impressive to me. No, and I lost to Oregon. no. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they lost to Oregon. Who looks? Uh, who's real? And uh, but yeah, so and Michigan. Let me see. They're Michigan. Okay, Michigan's four and but yeah. it's gonna be guys. Like I say, I think it's a pretty strong conference this year. I think this may be one of the better, more balanced Big Ten conferences we've had in a long, long time. I mean, in the past, it's usually just like Ohio State and the rest of the conference. Yeah. yeah. Everybody else, yeah. Everybody else played out the season with the privilege of getting to lose to Ohio State the, uh, into the Big Ten championship. So Ohio State can, but this year uh, it's going to be a little different. I just think this is going to be a much more competitive season. Uh, I mean, that's just my feeling. Uh, so we're going to see and you know find that out. Uh, yeah. So. Oh yeah, yeah. So. How long have you been a Panthers fan? Oh, well, probably since the the team began. Father, I was caving up in Tennessee and met the father of the first quarterback. Um, I can't remember his name now or anything like that, but that was a long time ago. When the Panthers first, you know, started their organization, it was – I was – on a piece of property, and the fellow wanted to see if there was a spring going. It's a wonderful story because uh, he turns out to be the daddy of the Panthers' quarterback. And I've been a football fan for a while, but I really hadn't, like I told you, I hadn't paid attention to the Panthers. There's a lot of people down here at Green Bay Packers fans. Um, yeah. I don't know how or when, you know, ever since I was in school. So, um, so I had started being a Panthers fan, and then. Um, uh, Luke Keekley, 
that was a, that was that was my that that was my boy to watch, and I loved it. I, I'm a defensive line person. I like watching the defensive line and the offensive linemen. Yeah. I love watching them to see what they're doing, you know. Um, so I'm really big on that, and uh, that was. Uh, that was uh, that's the jersey I have. I've got a Luke Keekley jersey in there, hanging in the closet, waiting for Panthers. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. I've never, never, uh, and I probably will not since they started kneeling after that. I probably will never support the NFL again uh, financially like that. But uh, you know, with something licensed. But um, yeah, uh, that's how long I've been a Panthers fan, pretty much. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, here's the thing. The, the first team had Kerry Cotton. They drafted Kerry Collins, uh for their first team. Uh, mm-hmm. The coach was uh, Don Caper. Was, uh, and Frank was the guy who actually started the season as the quarterback, who's now the head coach of the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Hmm. And, and for those people, if you're looking for like a little bit of, uh, you know, Paul Harvey. The uh, rest of the story with Frank Reich is that during the Bills in the, the early 90s, they were going through their, like I say, four, you know, they had like one, four AFC championships in a row. They had this one game. They were literally down something like 30-plus points. And Frank White came off the bench, and he led this great comeback against yeah. the Houston Oilers. You know, he was the guy that basically – overcame the deficit and took over for Jim Kelly that game and basically won the game. And that was a very good use of the team because that's when they had Warren Moon on the team. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, but, uh, yeah. I, I grew up with, you know, Washington. When I, I mean, I, that's the team I grew up with. Yeah, I was living in the Washington, D.C. area. And basically now – yeah. Now we had two base. We have, you know, I don't follow them in baseball anymore in the Washington National only because the two teams I followed from Washington, one is now in Texas, one is now in Minnesota. Uh, they didn't have a basketball team until the late '60s, early '70s. By then, I had decided that being a Boston Celtic fans would be a better, you know, was not a bad way to go. But Washington, that team, I always follow them. I, mean, I could always, I mean. I can always remember, like, you know, especially in the 60s, you had Sonny Jurgensen, the quarterback. You had Bobby Mitchell, Charlie Taylor, two of the great wide receivers of the of the, of the NFL history. And you had Jerry Smith. People don't remember that. Jerry Smith was one of those undersized tight ends. And, and they had, like, I mean, they had, like, a big grip. I mean, literally, he could. I mean, Sonny Jurgensen had three guys that he could throw the ball to, and, boy, he was good. Unfortunately, they had a lousy defense in those days. Uh, so, but I remember old Sonny, and then they had Billy Kilmer, and the George Allen Futures Dow era, followed by, uh, you know, the Joe Gibbs era. You're, you're, you're making me remember. I mean, we grew up uh, – being politically correct, I guess I got to say Washington fans. We grew up with yeah. that. Had those jerseys, those colors. That was a, that was it. Um, but my mother loved Joe Namath. You know, yeah. she loved him. 
I loved the Colts when I was really young. You know, I just loved yeah. the Colts. Um, but yeah, we all that, that's what we had. You know, we had the football. Um, yeah. Well, you know the thing is, yeah, we didn't Washington have TVs. We had radios. So. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Washington, I'm going to take a quick break here, and we'll move right back, and then we're going to do a smorgasbord beyond that. Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, we, still, Like I say, we're spending a lot of time on sports because it's my show, and I can do that. Tom Donaldson here in the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Back to the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, we want to, again, I, I want to kind of follow up real quickly because here's the interesting, like I said, one of those rest of the stories uh, is Preston Marshall was the Redskins owner, then the Washington Redskins. Uh, and, and quite frankly, Washington was the last team to integrate their NFL roster. And for years, part of that reason is for years, he had a network of Southern stations because you didn't have the Falcons until the late 60s, and the Panthers didn't come on until the night, you know, mid-90s and that, and that expansion. So if you were growing up with the NFL, you grew up listening to Washington football if you lived in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. He had all those networks. And then he – then Edward – Bennett Williams, who was a big-time attorney in the Washington, D.C. area, was picked to be the president of the company, of the club. He got into the ownership side, and he basically went to Marshall and said, we're going to integrate. Whether you like it or not, we're going to bring in black players. And, and you have to remember, too, between 1945 and 1962, now, when Bobby Mitchell would be the team, the gentleman who would integrate uh, the team, they literally had a bad team. I think they had one winning record from 1945, probably until the George Allen era, really. 
uh, and they had a couple of years with their five hundred. So basically, you know, Mitchell, you know, Marshall was pretty much at the end of his lifetime. Uh, the Redskins, uh, you know, the Washington football team, and the reality was, you know, it was it was like you're going to do this whether you like it or not. We're going to do it. And Bobby Mitchell was who was a very good running back came to Washington. They turned him into a flanker, and he was one of the best flankers, wide receivers in the '60s. And I bring his name up because he stayed with the organization for, you know, almost like a half a you know decade until he recently passed away. But, but that's the you know, like I say, the rest of the story because Washington was that team that for years was the Southern team of the NFL. I mean, they literally had a radio network that spread all the way through the South. And that's how we heard. I mean, that's how we were introduced. We didn't have TV. People don't realize that, but you didn't have it. And if you did, you know, you only had it for a few hours a day where the stations would come in. Um, People don't realize that. You had to radio. You you live by the radio. Yeah, Yeah, right. Because here's my other story. Because I went to college in Harrisonburg, Virginia's Mass, in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And in Harrisonburg, Virginia, they had only one TV station. One that you could get to. And we didn't have cable. You had one TV, and that was the ABC network. That was it. And, and the only way we could see the Redskins is like you had to go to the campus on Sunday where for whatever reason they were able to pick up the NFL and CBS and NBC, which, you know, they, those were the two networks carrying the AFL and the NFL, and the AFC and the NFC. So you literally had to go to the college campus and to watch NFL football on Sunday unless they were on the Monday night game. The only game you could see in town at home was the Monday night football. So it, it's you're right. It's kind of an interesting story because uh, you know you literally you know some of these southern you know some of these areas. And we're talking about the early seventies, the late sixties. I mean, some of these small towns. You know, if you got a TV station, you're right. I mean, you got it was it. You have maybe yeah. one TV station. You know, TV stations. So that's true. Yeah, you grew up with the radio, yeah. and I think that's why I've gotten older and I'm back listening to the radio all day. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, actually, it's kind of interesting because you know, I do the same thing. You know, you know, we, uh, you know, of course, the problem today anymore is with the NFL. They bought, they have got a, their own little monopoly in the sense that you, you literally have to pay to listen to the local network unless you're within that city. If you're within, the, like the Washington D.C. area, you can pick up on radio. But if you're not, uh, you can't stream it without uh, paying for it through the NFL. Well, I had to take a a stance with this this craziness of kneeling for the flag thing. It really yeah. offended me. So I had decided, and even though it it has hurt me a bit, but I found out that I can still keep up with the games and stuff like that. Um, I don't subscribe to ESPN. And I haven't bought any, like I said, game paraphernalia or anything that I had done for, you know, 
Yeah, I said, nope. Y'all straighten that out. I can't deal. So, but I'm still an NFL fan. And only recently have I really been able to enjoy watching some college football because my Saturdays are usually tied up. Um, but I always listen yeah. to them on the radio. Yeah. And like you say, it's what you get. <laughs> well, actually, it's kind of interesting because sometimes it's like in baseball. You know, you know we listen to the uh, – you know, I, I follow Kansas City Royals, and we listen to the Royals baseball game. And uh, and it is fascinating. It's kind of interesting because uh, you get a different perspective because you get the home team the home team perspective. But it is kind of interesting to still listen to the game and listen yeah, I because love you. you have to – because you have to use your imagination. You got to use a little bit of your imagination of trying to place yourself there. Uh, well, some of these announcers these days actually are on the radio are better yeah. and less political than the dudes on TV. The dudes on TV are, uh, and I was thinking that you know you talked about integration and stuff. When we were growing up, we did not know who was a white player and black player. I'm sorry, or African American or whatever. You know, we didn't know. They never did say that. If you think about it, go listen to some of the old radios. They never did say, oh, that was, you know, an African-American run in on the field. We didn't know. We just knew it was a team. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, I know what you're saying. It was, yeah. That's kind of strange. They're, they're yeah. part of the team. Yeah, the part of the team. Yeah. That, uh, but, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but, you know, the thing that comes into play is that, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, because again, like I said, we saw a lot of the TV. Because the other thing, the NFL had a, in the 1960s, they actually used their local uh, announcers for home games. They did not even, you know, they didn't have a national broadcast team in those days. Yeah. Like if you, like if you were, if Green Bay Packers were at home and they were the game that you were listening, the game of the week. You would get Ray Scott, who was their personal announcer. Cowboys, hmm. you had Jack Buck, who was their personal announcer. So it wasn't like uh, – so it was not uncommon to get the local announcer or the region to broadcast those games. Uh, and so it was kind of – yeah, it was just kind of interesting. So mm-hmm. it was very interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting. So, but you're right. I mean, the thing with again with radio to me, what I love about it, you, you still have to imagine yourself there. You have to try to place yourself there. And if you get good announcers, uh, you know, colorful announcers, yeah. they're more colorful. You know, it, it really a lively to the game. So it, it really does. I mean, like the University of Iowa, you have you know. You know, Gary Doffman and Dan Podolak. So, so, uh, yeah, so, we've got a fellow yeah. here that announces the Carolina games on the radio, and he is more fun than, than anybody. But he was a quarterback for Carolina and then became an attorney. Uh, and, uh, he is a, he's, he's absolutely 100%. He screams and hollers, you know. <laughs> It's fun. Yeah. It's fun to listen to. You really get into the spirit of it, and and I've heard other um, games and stuff like that. You can really get into it a little bit better, I think, if you're having to be stuck at home 
if you have a good announcer. Well, by the way, just real quick, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're coming to, like I said, near the end of the show, and I do want to remind everybody that you, the law, is going to follow this show on this particular network. Uh, so we want to, and for those people who want to know more about you, the law, well, basically it's uh, Chief Keith Huffman, Chief Virgil Green, to law enforcement uh, uh, veterans with about 60 years of law enforcement. Uh, it's a show that opens honest conversation about law enforcement in relationship with the black and brown communities. Uh, and they follow this show on this network every day, Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, oh, yeah, you can also listen to that show along with the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News dot airtime dot pro so stay tuned ladies and gentlemen to this network don't leave this network because you're going to get some really great programming uh from some unique law enforcement perspective from you know from uh keith humphrey and virgil green uh two law enforcement gentlemen who've been police chiefs uh and been police officers for a combined, I'm going to say, 60 years. So they know their stuff. All right. And uh, and now we're getting, you know, like I said, we're getting kind of near the end of the show. It's been kind of a fun show because it's like totally different. I did have a bunch of smorgasbord of ideas of politics we were going to get to, but I think we got into a nice conversation with this as well. But do you have anything politically to add at this point? Well, just be happy you're not living in New York, where the profit as it was. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you, what's the kind of issue it's been? Because I, I can tell you this, it's been really, it was really interesting, because, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, I, I was there and I, you know, we were just there and <laughs> I, you know, we yeah, we were there and I, and you had to have your passport. Yeah, you know, show your paper. Wow. You know? Papers. Wow, wow, wow. It, I mean, everywhere you went, you want to get arrested, you had to show your papers uh, to get in to prove that you were vaccinated. And uh, But here's the funny thing that, to me that really really struck me, because you had to wear a mask going into the thing, and once people sat down, the mask went off. You know, people, you know, they, you know, maybe you got your glass of water, a cup of coffee, whatever, the mask went off. But... Uh, yeah, well, now somebody's been told, somebody has, you know, it's turned into a religious thing, I understand, what I was reading. Oh, yeah. What I'm, oh, yeah, the governor, yeah, the governor uh, like, said, What? You know, are they, you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Yeah, vaccines are a gift from God. Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to say, yeah. in some way, there's an element of truth in this sense, that we got minds to invent, to discover, to produce I mean, God gave us a mind to move forward. And certainly the vaccine was one of those things that came in record time. Uh, you know, you know, you know, if you sit back and say, you know, what was Trump's accomplishment in his last year? Operation Warp Speed, where we literally had new drugs, new things coming in record time. So I guess, you know, in a way, is that, you know, is that a gift from God? You know, I, you know, the human mind, my only problem is I just think that yeah, I'm not for vaccine mandates. Yeah, I got I'm not for mandates at all. 
And, you yeah. know, they even say the devil can quote scripture, and that's what they threw out when Trump was talking. So I'm just throwing that out right now. You know, yeah. it goes both ways. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, it's not, you know, we, we now know that uh, there are Democrats who do believe in God for something. <laughs> well, no, that's true. I mean, yeah, I wonder how the atheistical people are feeling. But it was like that. It was an interesting know. experience because – and I, well, we have a pretty much open, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, like I say, uh, Iowa is pretty much an open state in that regard. We don't have mass mandates. Uh, uh, most people live their lives in, uh, you know, we, you know, I don't know about, you know, I kind of view it as a Midwest type of deal. You know, we, you know, we accept life as it is. Well, here we have a county and a, we have a mayor and a county that declared that there must be masks. And if you see the pictures of the Carolina ball game this past weekend, you'll realize how many people yeah. took that into into seriousness, yeah. you know? It's like, no, no, because the governor says, no, I'm not going to do a mask mandate. So yeah. they've been yeah. going back and forth with it. I don't, you well, know, we think whatever. Tonight, we just don't have I mean, we just, they just don't do it. Uh, it's, it, it, you know, and maybe part of it, too, is there's an aspect that I kind of look at is, I mean, we this is a state where you have tornadoes, uh, farming, it is life. You know, it's uh, basically you say we love this life, that's what it is. And so, uh, you know. Yeah, I'm still waiting for my hog, which y'all are, you know. Yeah. You're, hoarding, yeah. you're hoarding pigs, man. You got to quit that. Man, we're not I can't. I, got, I need my bacon. I need my bacon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's called inflation, man. Which, by the way, tomorrow's show, uh, uh, yeah, I want to thank uh, Pam for being on the show tonight. We're going to be pretty much wrapping up very quickly. But tomorrow night's show, John Pelham is going to be on the show. Uh, we've had him before. He's an economist for the Center of the American Experiment. Uh, it's a, a pretty good organization, uh, and a good thing, one of the top think tanks in the Midwest. He's going to talk about the modern monetary uh, theories, inflation, and where we go from here. Uh, so it's going to be kind of interesting because today's, uh, sh- if you listen to the, some of the hearings today on uh, from the federal uh, chairman, he's basically saying inflation is a lot, may be here a lot longer than what we think. So this is Tom Donaldson saying good night here from the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Stay tuned for you and the law and the Bachelor News Radio Network. Breaking news tonight, federal prosecutors say that they're going to launch a criminal investigation of the white police officer who shot and killed this man, Kenneth Chamberlain Sr., an African-American retired Marine inside his own home last November. The federal investigation comes on the heels of a grand jury's decision not to indict the officer. The grand jury's ruling yesterday left many people shaking their heads and many others, including Chamberlain's family, demanding answers. What they want to know is why police officers in White Plains, New York, who were dispatched in the early hours of a November morning to help Mr. Chamberlain, ended up killing him. Just after 5 a.m., 
Vietnam vet Kenneth Chamberlain, a 68-year-old African-American man with a severe heart sets off his medical alert device. Mr. Chamberlain, this is your help center for life aid. Do you need an ambulance, sir? The operator attempts to talk to him on a two-way speaker in his home. Mr. Chamberlain, I'm not getting a response. I'm going to notify someone to come by and help you now. Emergency personnel are dispatched to his apartment to check on him. By 5.30, White Plains police officers are the first to arrive. Chamberlain is now alert and sounds agitated. Everything's all right, sir? No, it's not all right. I need help. The West Plains Police Department are banging on my Over the next 40 minutes, officers repeatedly try to get him to open the door. I'm okay. Others arrive, including medical personnel and Chamberlain's niece, who also lives in the building. I don't even think they cared about me because they didn't even acknowledge me. At 6.13, police turn on a taser, which records this video. Mr. Chamberlain, leave. I can't leave. 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 Police say he had a butcher's knife in his hand that he stuck through a crack in the door. Put the knife down and step right the door. Now I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. Another officer is now standing outside a window in Chamberlain's first floor apartment. The district attorney has confirmed that in a section of the tape not given to CNN, an officer calls Mr. Chamberlain the N-word. <laughs> Meanwhile, police inside the building are using bolt cutters to get into Chamberlain's apartment. They believe he's used a chair to block the door. At 6.41, more than an hour after they arrived, police finally get Chamberlain's door open. They say he's waving a butcher's knife above his head, and they tase him. Seconds later, they tase him again. At this point, police turn off the taser camera. This is the last image we have of Kenneth Chamberlain alive. Police say he continued to come at them with a knife, so they shot him with several beanbags from a shotgun. Police say when that didn't stop him, one officer had fired his pistol twice. One bullet hit Chamberlain in the lung, killing him. At 7.09 a.m., just about two hours after a medical alert dispatcher calls to see if the former Marine is okay, Kenneth Chamberlain is pronounced dead. Hey, we want to welcome you to You and the Law podcast show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We are we just listening to a an audio recording uh, from CNN, courtesy of CNN. Uh, Keith, I want to let our listeners know when you hear November, want well, people this didn't occur in November of twenty twenty. This actually occurred. November the 19th of 2011. Just listening to the audio clip, Keith, is, is just, it's, it's very disturbing. Just to listen to that, I'm going to say maybe four minutes of an audio clip, but there is actually another uh, clip that 
that you can listen to the entirety of the encounter between police and Mr. Chamberlain. Um, and I want to let our listeners know what has come from this tragic uh, killing of of Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. Keith is a movie that Morgan Freeman um, is a part of that has produced this movie and it's talking about the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. And so tonight, Keith, we're going to be talking about what rights do police have enter into, as the phrase goes, and I hope I'm saying this right, Keith, a home is uh, a, a man's castle is his home. So it's, so we're going to, and I know we're going to have some listeners, Keith, who will, who will be listening in the chat room, who will have a lot of different opinions. So we want to remind you that the chat room is open. Uh, we're, we're, we're live. Uh, and if you have any comments, uh, you're listening to the show, uh, the chat room is open at blogtalkradio.com backslash LA Bachelor. And if you would like to come on the air uh, and ask a question or speak to us about this comment, please do so at 646-929-0130. But, Keith, um, very disturbing video, very disturbing audio to listen to. Virgil, and to the listeners, good evening uh, to everyone. Virgil, um, so when does calling the – when does asking for help uh, justify – well, let me just say this um, – well, and let's 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 remember, Keith. He didn't call for help. He actually had a you know one of those little life alerts that uh, that are, you know that, that people have, and so the life alert went off. And, and I get the, that. And, and, and I get yeah. I get that. And 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 we have to learn. There there are sometimes uh, we can't force people to go to the hospital. Um, and I get it. I get the fact of a welfare check. I get that. This man is very clearly saying, "I don't want you in my house." Um, mm-hmm. but, you know. So we've got a, we've got a we've got a gentleman who we were going law enforcement, and I say we our industry were going uh, got a call regarding his well being. I get that. Um, but you know, now this man is deceased. Um, you find out that there was the N word said. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and even, even if it wasn't racially related, even if it wasn't racially motivated, what's the purpose of the N word? Why would it so be, you mean you got, yeah, so, why would it be you used? got so frustrated with this man? Why was the N word used? Now, yeah, there is a possibility that may have also enraged this gentleman. Um, but you know, my thing is, you know, when, when does it, you know, when is it safe to call police? Uh, and, and, and and I know that we have officers to go out on welfare check. I, I will tell you, when we get, I know we're getting ready to go on break, but when we come back, I will tell you that I that I think I know some of the concerns or some of the fears that, that officers have. But at the same time, our citizens have fear, and, and they won't call us on certain things because they believe that, um, you know, something like this, maybe if not of this magnitude, if not of this, um, with this ending, but there are those who, who don't want to call us when they need help. 
and and so you know this 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 operator or this med, med, Medicare Med Alert person was doing their job. I think the officers went there doing their job, but at some point this man is saying, "Don't come in. I don't need your help. Yeah. Don't come in." Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, that's he, where that's where you have to think. Okay, what were the officers thinking? I yeah. don't know. Yeah, exactly. And and Keith, you know, I want to remind our listeners that if you're just now tuning into the show, we opened the show up by playing a audio clip courtesy of CNN that um, where we listened to the police having a conversation with with Mr. Chamberlain inside of his apartment where he refused to open up the door. Um, since this incident happened in uh, November the 19th in 2011, uh, Morgan Freeman has come out with a movie called uh, The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. Google it, search it, you'll find it. It's a great movie. Mr. Chamberlain's son, Mr. Chamberlain's son and family played a, a significant role in how this movie came about. Um, and so, Keith, I'll say this before we go to the break. Um, well, we're going to go to the break, but when I, we come out of this break, I, I've got several things to ask you, but uh, you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Prevention works most effectively when people understand the risks and consequences, and the risks and consequences of inhalants is clear, but it's not well understood. It's frustrating because the danger comes from vapors found in a variety of very common household products that are legal, they're easy to get, they're laying around the home, it's easy for kids to buy them, and it's a problem. Kids and parents don't think of these products as dangerous because they were never meant to be used to be intoxicating, and yet that's what they're used for. When they're intentionally inhaled, they can cause serious harm and even death. Young people, parents, physicians, and others that influence youth need to be aware of this. So we're particularly pleased to have a partnership with the American Osteopathic Association, which is working hard to help us inform physicians to look out for these issues as well. SAMHSA has just released information that among 12-year-olds nationwide, alcohol is the only substance with higher use than inhalants. Inhalants exceed the rate of use of cigarettes, marijuana, hallucinogens, and any other drugs that 12-year-olds may be experimenting with. More 12-year-olds have used potentially lethal inhalants than have used marijuana, cocaine, and hallucinogens combined. So we're approaching 7% of our 12-year-olds in the country that are using glue, shoe polish, air freshener, hairspray, nail polish, paint solvents, gasoline, lighter fluid. These are everyday products with real life or death consequences. Back to the Bachelor News Radio Show. Uh, sorry, the Bachelor News Radio Network with you and the law. The you and the law broadcast on the Bachelor News Radio Network. 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with uh, Chief Keith Humphrey, Chief Virgil Green, as they talk about uh, the killing 
of Kenneth Chamberlain as uh, Chief Virgil Green mentioned that there will be a movie coming out uh, with Morgan Freeman uh, connected to it. Guys, you know, a lot of people are saying that, uh, and I I kind of agree, doesn't this speak to how um, when you look at the uh, when you look at the uh, he was bipolar. He had some issues that maybe, perhaps, they should have taken that into um, consideration. Well, you know, I'm gonna say, L.A. Uh, that I don't believe these officers. Well, I know these officers did not fully understand Mr. Chamberlain's medical condition. Uh, the they received the call from this. Uh, a life alert company say, stating that Mr. Chamberlain had, they had got some type of an alert from him during the middle of the night. And so Mr. Chamberlain actually talked to this person and told this person that he was okay. Uh, but for whatever reason, they dispatched the police anyway probably without informing them of his medical condition. Um, and so one of the things that was not uh, discussed in that CNN audio clip, L.A. and our listeners, that Mr. Chamberlain's daughter lived in the same building. So at some point during this uh, 45 minutes to two hour, his daughter actually came to his apartment and based on the information that she shared in another news story, the police basically ignored her, acted as if she wasn't even there. So they had the opportunity to have a family member go into the apartment or try to talk to Mr. Chamberlain, which this is his daughter, that she could have you know, handle the situation better. So uh, I just don't think these officers, first of all, they, they didn't have his medical history. And, uh, you know, you have to question yourself, even if they knew that information, would that have even mattered? Let me, let me say this. Let, let, let me say this. Um, we're not armchair quarterback. Backing. No, we we are just talking about the common sense of the response. So, you get a med alert. The man say he's okay. I get the fact that the operator was doing her job. I want to send someone out there anyway. I get it. Um, don't know if 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 paramedics came with the with police. Don't know that. Um, I, I don't know if that's if that's the case. They but, came with the police you, later. Later. They, they, they were dispatched later. Uh, after. Later. Okay, so so you you um, you get there. He's talking through the door. Um, he, at some point, he does stick the knife out the door. Uh, an hour later, you you gain entry. The, the 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 question is, during that hour time before they gained initial entry, um, as you said, what information did they try to obtain? from the daughter or from the med alert company or whatever, because the, the courts have said, number one, if a person 
if you go out there and a person does not want to, in that situation, and we're not talking about someone who's non-responsive. So let me just say this. We're not talking about someone who has had a medical episode and, and it's unresponsive when they try to reach them by phone or by med alert, they're not responding. We're not talking about that. We, we understand. And, and the courts have said, uh, that that's an exigent circumstance and you can up to force entry into that house to check on someone. So that's not even the issue. The issue becomes this man is being active. He's telling you he doesn't want to talk to you. He doesn't want you in his house. He's okay. He's told the med alert person that that one hour there that they, that they continue to talk with this man. What information did they find out? Uh, like you said, uh, Hey, metal alert, do you have a phone number for the daughter? Do you have a phone number for his doctor? Do you have a phone? I mean, that's that's what this uh, de-escalation techniques are, and that's what, you know, we are at a point now where we we have the luxury of doing that because you're looking at this man. He's inside his apartment. There's nothing against the law for someone to damage their inside apartment. There's nothing against the law for someone. And, and the question will come, was he an imminent threat to the officers because he was – Behind the doors with a chain, the officers could back off for distance. So it becomes that where was the, you know, the exigent circumstances for them to make entry inside the house. So I don't know. They've got to articulate that. We're, we're watching a video. Uh, but, but I will tell you that that hour that, that they were trying to get in this, in this gentleman's house, Mr. Chamberlain's house, for whatever reason, you know, to talk with him or check his welfare, there's a lot of proactive things I believe that could have occurred. Well, Keith, and you know, definitely there's a lot of proactive things that, that could have occurred. And and one of the things is that where you have to ask yourself, where was the the de escalation? There was more of an of an escalation. The the escalation progressed. You know, on the door, he talks to them through the door, he tells them Everything is fine. He didn't call him. He didn't even know that this life alert uh, company had called the police. So he is well aware of his surroundings. He's not, you know, he's not out of it. He he clearly knows that he did not call the police, and he doesn't need the police. And so, but for well, whatever you know, reason, the police first, continue. Let me say this. Let me say this, and, and, and the courts have also this, this is a very um, uh, debated topic. Also, uh, it comes down to those you know a barricaded person. Um, when a person barricades themselves in the home, and there's no other person around, and and they're not causing any imminent danger to anyone, they're not shooting out of the wind out of the window, they're not shooting inside the house. There's no other people inside the house. It's just them. Um, the courts have said that if that's all you have, we don't think that forced entry into that house justifies because you force entry into that home and it escalates on behalf of this individual. Then it comes back that the officers caused that elevation uh, of, of, of response from that individual. The courts have said just because someone is damaging their home or just because someone is mentally ill inside their home and they may be doing it. We're not talking about pointing a gun out the window shooting. We're not talking about that. Question becomes, and, and you're going to hear this a lot, and L.A. has heard me say this over the years that I've been on his shows 
is it comes down to there is a there is a perception out there whether it's it's reality for some people, but there's a perception out there by law enforcement that you cannot leave that house or that residence without doing something. And if you do, there's a larger liability out there toward the officers or the department, and the department will not back an officer for doing their job. Now, this is the deal. Common sense has to kick in. You can articulate why you didn't go inside that house. You can articulate. There, I think there's way. I think I think we get caught up in the moment. Emotions get in, and we feel like we've got to go in that house. If we don't, he's not going to tell us we're there for a reason, and we were there for a reason. We got to do something. We. I, th- I think that's that's what happens sometimes. We. We don't, we, we don't, and, and my question also is, where was that supervisor? Was there a supervisor on scene? What are their protocols for that? Um, did they try to call them? I, I, I don't know. Those are, there are so many questions, but I think it just, why not back away where it's not an exigent, where you're not in danger? Um, yeah. And and then try to talk. So I, I, those, those are things. You try not to arm to a quarterback, but. Man, it's a lot of unanswered questions and concerns that 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 I have related related to that. And I'm sure listeners have something, but you know, have some concerns about that. But the N word, really? The yeah. N-word. Well, wow. Yeah, which was which was totally uncalled for. And, and Keith, just like you you've mentioned, the Supreme Court has put some limits when police can enter. In, enter into a home without a without a warrant. This this was not a warrant type of a situation. This, as you know, was they were responding to check the welfare of Mr. Chamberlain. They so how did the situation go from responding to a medical uh, call to now? No matter what. If you don't open up the door, we're going to forcibly come inside of your home because, once again, it's that authority figure that tells you, if I tell you to do something, you better do it. And if you don't do it, we're going to use whatever force that we that we need to use to enter into your home or your car. And so in this situation – Repeatedly, you hear Mr. Chamberlain telling them he's fine, he doesn't need them, they need to leave. Even the daughter expressed that to the police while she was there, but they totally ignored her. So, Keith, and, and one of the things, like you said, when we opened the show up, the show up, Keith, we're not being armed, we're not being Monday morning quarterbacks on this situation, on this incident. Now, this happened in 2011. I asked before we went to the break, Keith, there are several things that have happened after this incident in 2011 that has gained so much national attention. Trayvon Martin in 2012, Michael Brown in 2014. Tamir Rice in 2014, 
the death of Art Eric Garner in 2014. All of these incidents, all of these things occurred where there was some type of public outcry because of what happened, which led to protest. Black Lives Matter didn't even exist in November of 2011. So this 2011 did not gain a lot of media and national media attention. But Keith, we're coming up and we're going to take uh, our break, but when we come back, we're going to get back into the topic of the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Hi, I'm Amanda Pete. Like all new parents, my husband and I want what's best for our baby. When it was time for our daughter's immunizations, we wanted the facts. So we carefully researched vaccines. We spoke with doctors and other experts and asked them tough questions. We decided that vaccines were the best thing for our child. I urge you to get the facts. Learn the facts about vaccines so you can make the best healthcare decisions for your family. Thank you. A message from the American Academy of Pediatrics and vaccinateyourbaby.org. If you're an African-American man, you need to know about oral cancer. Oral cancer is more common in African-American men than in any other group in the U.S. If you have a sore or lump in your mouth that doesn't go away after two weeks, see a doctor or a dentist. Most often, these symptoms don't mean cancer, but it's important to get them checked. If you do have oral cancer, it can be treated more successfully if it's caught early. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill, WCLM Richmond, Virginia, IBM TV, Big Mind Entertainment. Of course, you can look to the rebroadcast at thebachelornews.airtime.pro as you listen to it now. Uh, 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Again, guys, um, I think um, going coming out of the last break, a lot of people are saying, you know, protocol and there's a lot of mistakes here. I think someone said that it was actually the niece that was there. I don't know if it was in the report that niece or daughter, but that's irrelevant at, at, in, in the scheme of things. But a lot of people are saying the protocol department, where's the protocol? Um, uh, and I think, Steve Humphrey, uh, if you can answer that, because I think you hit it on the head, using common sense as a man, I mean, there's laws in place, as you said, the Supreme Court uh, put in place in terms of if people say, you know, their welfare, they're fine, they're fine, they're in their house, they're in their house. At some point, you can't be, you know, renegade cop or super cop or all that adrenaline going. At some point, you got to use some common sense. And if you don't use the common sense, it shouldn't take long for video and all of the things, all the circumstances and facts that come out, guys, uh, to prosecute these guys? Well, I I will tell you this. uh, uh, Every department should have policy on responding to 
uh, individuals who are in distress, or and that that includes um, needing medical attention. Uh, and a lot of departments will have uh, will mandate that that medical personnel or fire personnel who are paramedics or EMTs accompany. And the law, the laws in many states, and I'm not surprised if it's not in all states. You can't make a person go seek medical treatment. Um, when you start dealing with someone who is in mental crisis, the laws are pretty clear cut throughout the uh, nation that if a person is a danger to himself or others, uh, you you have a you can either release that person to someone who will be responsible for them, but you have to be able to articulate why they're a danger to themselves or others. Uh, if you can't articulate that, then you don't have the authority to put someone in emergency detention or take someone from their home. Uh, the, the questions I would ask L.A. and Virgil and to the listeners, uh, did they ask the niece, uh, would she be responsible for them? I kind of get it. If the man has a knife, um, you know, you kind of say, okay, is it comfortable leaving the niece here with this gentleman? But I think this was a medical alert. I think once you see the gentleman doesn't have any medical concerns, uh, I think you have to start thinking, okay, we may not need to go in that house, or we might just need to leave. Or, hey, call a supervisor over and ask if, if a supervisor wasn't there. But, you know, I get it that, 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 you know, it, it does. It is concerning that this gentleman was putting a knife outside the door. The, the question was, the question still remains: Was he in crisis, mental crisis, and does he have a right to do that inside his house? Because the thing that gets me: Were those officers in exigent circumstances outside that door with the chain, where they have an opportunity to back away? That, that, that's that's the biggest question. Or did they ele- escalate his actions by forcing them away? into the home, you know, continually talking to him, calling him the N-word, trying to gain entry into his house for over an hour. Did that agitate him more? Those are going to be the things well, Keith, that those are some additional questions they got to answer. Well, Keith, and, and you're right. And I think what, what actually occurred was they continued to escalate the situation because he repeatedly told them, that he did not need the police, he did not call the police. Even in even in the audio clip that we listened to, you heard one of the police officers say, "Well, you called us," and he clearly says, "No, I did not call you all." And he is clearly telling the life alert people he has a problem because of the White Plains Police Department is at his door, and he did not call them. He he did not need them he wants them to leave and so at what point and then you have the fact that he displays a knife through the door at what point before all of that happened hold on a second but before all of that happened why did they not just say this man is fine he is okay we will leave what happened? Why didn't that not occur? Go ahead, Ellen. And even with that, and, and just uh, uh, Chief Humphrey, you can follow up with, with, with what Chief Green is saying, but he, the opposite is, of that is he clearly uh, talked to, to 911. They clearly talked to him. 
then all of a sudden something's fine. Isn't that a red flag that, okay, it was fine, now he's he's screaming and hollering. Ain't that a sign of something not right? I mean, and, and to the sense that maybe yeah. he's got a medical condition, so now you want to bring in someone not with guns, with something else with the guns backed up. Of course, you got to have your police there, but now you want to take a different approach, not bang down the door and tase them and, and ultimately shoot them. It doesn't make well, any sense. Well, let me say this, well, L.A. I can tell you a lot of this is, is liability. Nobody wants to be sued these days, and, and officers think that if they don't do something, they're going to get in trouble. And no, protocol is if you have someone who's agitated, you can't send medical personnel in there, especially with someone that has a weapon. You, you can't do that. Um, because now they're not equipped or they're not trained to address someone with a weapon. So, no. And, and you even have protocols where medical and fire department will not even go into a scene until it is secure. So that's that's not uncommon on that. Um, and that's where you have to be – that's that topic that's debated on a regular basis regarding um, non-law enforcement personnel – versus law enforcement personnel engaging individuals who are in crisis, whether it's a mental crisis or physical crisis. And that, that's a big concern. And, and, I, and I think that 98% of the time that there are those incidents where someone of a, of, in a profession of mental health could handle that situation without a direct uh, presence of police, but it's that two percent that you never know. It starts out calm. It's just like law, like police work. The majority of our calls are nonviolent. They're they're they are routine calls, basic calls for service. But it's that percent of those calls that turn violent, and so you have to have, and that's why you have police there for that reason. Now I go back and I say. The question's going to be, <laughs> did that man have a right to be in his home and ask the police not to get there, not to, not, to, not to come in? Did he have a right to tell them, no, I don't need you, I'm okay? And I think even if they would have gotten there, but I'm telling you, I think what these officers were thinking in that situation, that if, if we got this medical call, we don't go in, we leave this situation, and some way, somehow, this gentleman – ends up dying or hurting someone else, we're in trouble because we did not do anything about it. And so they get to the point that we have to do something. And, and But you don't have to call somebody the N-word. Uh, you, you don't have to spend an hour trying to get inside of a house uh, of a person who's telling you to leave. I mean, I think an hour kind of says, okay, he's getting agitated. He doesn't be to have any medical distress. We'll document that. We'll notify his family or the caretaker, and we'll leave. I, I think an hour trying to get in and things like that. I think that's where the problem becomes. So, Keith, let me let me let me say this, and I, I want to I want our, our listeners to understand that Mr. Chamberlain on this night during the he was not having some type of mental health episode. He accidentally hit his alarm on the alert. The dispatchers prior to the police getting there spoke to Mr. Chamberlain, but for whatever reason, 
they sent the officers anyway. Now, Mr. Chamberlain was 68 years old, November the 11th of 2011. He is a retired Marine. Now, he has bipolar. So because he has bipolar, I don't want people to get the impression that he was having some kind of medical episode that the police needed to be there. So clearly when he told the this life alert company that he did not he was fine, he was alert, he wasn't incoherent, uh he talked to them. So this wasn't a situation where someone called nine one one. It was a life alert who alerted the police. But the main thing in this Keith is that Mr. Chamberlain was fully aware of what was going on around him. Now, he clearly became agitated when he did not need the police, and he clearly said he asked them repeatedly to leave. So at what point does the officers use common sense to say, we're communicating with this man, this man's daughter is actually here, which they actually totally ignored her presence. And this is according to a news interview that she gave. They totally ignored that she was there, the daughter. So this wasn't a situation where, hey, we need to get hold of a family member to try to come here to try to calm him down. Clearly they had a family member there. They didn't utilize her. Uh, and what they should base once Mr. Once this man says, hey, I'm fine. I don't need you. You can leave my apartment, leave and go home. Now, Keith, you mentioned something earlier about the liability. Officers afraid, well, if something happens to him, now they're going to come back and say we didn't do our job. Okay, clearly this man is talking to you. What much more common sense? And, and Keith, I'm going a, I'm to a take myself out of being the host of the show and put myself in just as a listener. If somebody's listening to this and they're going to say, well, damn, how many more how many more times do you need to tell the police not to do something, to, that you don't need their assistance? But, Keith, I, we're coming up and we're going to take a break, but I want to share with you and our listeners a similar incident occurred between a husband and a wife that made it all the way up to the Supreme Court, but they were white and this man was black. So the question is, does race play a role in how police respond and how they react once they determine, you look like us, this other person does not look like us, so we don't, we're going to do whatever we want to do. How, how much of that plays into officers' decision-making uh, because of an incident with similar uh, a wife called the police and said she needed the police. But, Keith, we're going to take this break, and we're going to come back. We're going to get back into the topic of the killing of Kenner Chamberlain. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Welcome you back to you and the law broadcast show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, where if you're just now tuning into the show, uh, the topic of the show is the killing of Kenner Chamberlain. Uh, Mr. Chamberlain was killed inside of his apartment uh, November the uh, 11th of 2011. We're coming up on uh, almost a decade ago when this incident happened. Uh, You might ask yourself why we're talking about something that happened almost a decade ago. Well, recently, uh, Morgan Freeman, who is the producer, has uh, come out with, uh, will be coming out with a movie called The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. And this movie, uh, Keith, um, listening to Morgan Freeman talk about uh, this movie, how passionate he was to put together a cast uh to portray the the true this true story that took place uh with uh Kenneth Chamberlain and so before the break Keith I had mentioned an incident that had occurred between a husband and a wife where there was some type of domestic going on between the both of them the husband had not physically you know, assaulted the wife, but the wife, she just, she called 911. So the police responds to the home. Uh, They are not let in by the husband or the wife, but they gain entry. They use force to gain entry into the home. They ended up arresting the husband, and he was charged with resisting arrest and some other things, Keith. The uh, the husband asked the question about what authority does the police have to enter into my home? Well, the the lower court uh, ended up finding that he was guilty, so this went to the appeals court. The appeals court also uh, stood by the ruling. Court it gets up to the to, I believe, another circuit court. Well, that circuit court reviews it and determines that that court made an error because the police did not have exigent circumstances to go inside of the home and to eventually arrest this man. But the the point that I made before the break, Keith, was that this was a white couple. Mr. Chamberlain is black. And I just asked the question because I, I'm pretty sure some of our listeners out there will probably ask the same thing. What role does race play in this? And you know, Keith, we 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 we're all we this show is about being open and, and transparent. Um, and you have to ask yourself. And I don't want people to say, "Well, here you go, you're putting the race card in." Well, here's a situation where a husband and a wife 
uh, who were white. Husband didn't get shot. He's fine. Here's a situation where a black man who is a military veteran, who is a Marine, retired Marine, um, but he ends up dead inside of his apartment, all because, Keith, he accidentally hit his life alert during the middle of the night. So he woke up stunned as to what's going on. But he, he's not having a mental health uh, episode. You know what, Virgil? Um, hold on, let me make sure I'm not muted. Okay, Virgil, let me oh, say you know. this. You, 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 you hope race doesn't play a role in it. That's, we always hope that. And I think there's a, a, a majority of these incidents that it doesn't, but the N-word was used. The but N-word the N-word was, was clear. Yeah. Yeah. The N-word was used. Um, now, I'm going to say this, Keith. Let, let me say this. Let me say this real quick. So the N-word was used. They, just because of the building that he stayed in, they just assumed that Mr. Morgan was a, I mean, Mr. Chamberlain, was a black man. They had no picture of, of Mr. Chamberlain, but this one officer hauls off and says, hey, Ian, open up the door. Now, now you get, now, now let me say this. Uh, they could have had information in the call notes that he was black. You got me, you got to look That's at it that way. And what that, I'm saying is, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying they you gotta take you gotta give benefit of that that they may have been provided that information that this is a 68 year old black male to provide descriptions of this gentleman to the officer so when they contact him they would have an idea who he is. Not justifying anything. I'm just saying that's a possibility of how they knew he, you know he was black. But at the same time, if that's not the case, <laughs> you're right. How do you how do you assume? Because I've seen what you believe a predominantly minority um, housing, and you know that you have Caucasians living there. And I've heard officers say in my career, "You don't look like you live here. Why are you living here?" And, and exactly. So, and so you know, I mean, so you you hope that that's not the case, and that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. We hope that's not the case, but yeah, man, we. Well, well, you know. and Keith, and you, and, and and you know, and I'm gonna say this, and I think this is something that, you know, you really have to listen to multiple audio clips of this incident that occurred in 2011. Would it surprise you, Keith, to know that there was a black police officer there present? I mean, no, it wouldn't surprise me. And so the, the now with a black officer present, at, at what point, you, you know, Keith, and, and, and I'm going to really step out here to the right, not to the left, but to the right, and say at what point does a black police officer stand up to a white police officer and say, listen, man, this is not how we conduct ourselves instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to keep my mouth shut because that might be my sergeant or he just may have seniority over me. But in your gut, you know what he is saying and what he is doing is clearly wrong, but you don't want to make any waves. But at what point do you 
have to just stand up and be a man, not just in the well, uniform, but be the man in the uniform and say, listen, listen, dude, we're not going to do this. This man has clearly told us he is fine. Let's leave. It, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter what race that officer is to stand up and they have a duty to intervene. So it, would, it, would, it wouldn't matter if they were white, Hispanic, no, Asian. Somebody, somebody there had a right to intervene. And it comes yeah. down to that emotional intelligence part where you're saying, listen, man, you're getting agitated. Let me try to talk to him. Yeah. Hey, man, this man doesn't want us here. Let's see what we can find out from his family. Is there a need to be here? Because if you go back mm-hmm. and listen at that, if you go back and listen to that audio, the initial contact with MetaAlert to him, I, 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 I think she said the patient isn't answering. Um, he's he's non-responsive, uh, unresponsive, non-responsive. Make sure I get the, whichever way is supposed to be the right way. I'll say both words, mm-hmm. but I think it's in, unresponsive. Um, I get it. You got somebody who's unresponsive. You got an emergency. I, I, I get putting the officers out there, but once they make contact with the person, I think that changes a whole different dynamics of the way they respond. Uh, and yeah, it, it's not common for somebody to, to stick a knife. But was he in a was he in a mental uh, crisis? Um, you know what was what was going on? Uh, and I say this again: Could they have backed off? to a point where they would not have been in imminent danger to that knife, uh, that that um, uh, duty to intervene, that de-escalation. Uh, you know, where did, where did that – I'm, I'm just going by this, an hour trying to get in this gentleman's house. I, I just want to know what was, what was said. I, I just want to know what was said, what actions were taken to, to get additional information to determine if they could leave. Well, and Keith, let me let me share this another piece of information about this here. And and I don't know, you know, what the history of the White Plains Police Department is, which is in New Jersey, has with the black community. Now, Mr. Chamberlain's son, Chamberlain Jr., had after this incident occurred, had learned that the Life Aid monitoring company had suggested to the police that they call the son, but the police actually refused to do so. So here's a situation we go back to asking ourselves, why did, where was the de-escalation? And it appears that this whole situation, it was, it started out with when they, when Mr. Chamberlain refused to open up the door to talk to them, to let them inside, they continue the the escalation of this situation. But when when the police refuse to call the son, that you have to really question what was these officers' motive, their intent, because you're you're being told by the life aid who calls your nine one one and and suggest that you call the the son, which they've got his contact information, but they refuse, Keith. Uh, that's going to be a question they're going to have to answer, man. 
And so that's going to be a question even, they're going to have to answer. And so, but this happened almost a decade ago, and 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 the, you know, we're coming up on the the last minutes of the show, Keith, and and we want to r- remind our listeners that, you know, if you miss any parts of this live broadcast, uh, to listen to the rebroadcast of the show, go to uh, blogtalkradio.com backslash la bachelor. Well, no. I'm putting out the wrong information, Keith. It's the bachelornews.airtime.pro. It's the bachelornews.airtime.pro to listen to the rebroadcast of this show because it is a great, it is a topic, and there's a movie coming out about the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. But even during the course of this event, Keith, one of Mr. One of the the uh, Mr. Chamberlain's sons, one of the cousins approaches the officers and tries to explain that uh, her uncle's behavior and that he has a heart condition. But again, the officers cut her off. So you've got officers refusing to contact the son. Then you've got officers who have made contact that the family members are trying to make contact with them to let them know that he has a heart condition this is why he has this life monitoring system, but they cut a family member off. And so, and I think about this movie, Keith, one of the things that I think people will be, uh, when you, if you get a chance to watch this movie, just the, uh, how much truth is in this movie. This isn't something that has been dramatized, Keith. It's been a movie that has really, touched Morgan Freeman, uh, which has led him also, Keith, and I shared with the, this with you earlier, he has uh, donated over uh, over $500,000 to Ole Miss University to him and another professor there to start up a, a, a criminal justice uh, program where they're going to teach police reform because, in his words, since the death of, of of uh, Kenneth Chamberlain, look how many other unarmed black men and black women have been killed. And so, and another thing, Keith, had this happened in 2011, when did former President Barack Obama's uh, 21st century community policing come out? Uh, 2015. 2015. 2015. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Keith, we, you know, I mentioned prior that, you know, we've had the, you've had the death of Eric Garner. You've had the death of Tamir Rice. You've had the death of Michael Brown. You've had the death of Breonna Taylor. You had the death of George Floyd. At what point do police understand that you have a role to protect and serve. And on this November the 11th of 2011, they were not protecting and serving. They ended up killing this man inside of his apartment. Now, these officers, the the grand jury found that that they were not uh, guilty of any charges, so there wasn't any charges brought up against the officer. Because they, you know, he hey, he had a knife and uh, he refused to let us in. 
but Keith, you know, again, there are so many other stories like this here that we are not aware of. I wasn't aware of this, Keith, until I got till I saw a uh, a news deal with Morgan Freeman talking about this movie. And that's what got me interested in discovering more about uh, Kenneth Chamberlain and the, the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain. So, uh, but Keith. You know, I think there there has to be a better way for police officers to understand that your role is to protect and serve. If somebody doesn't need your service, if they are, are sound mind and body, what's wrong with, uh, with just walking away and not taking a man's life? Yeah, and, and I want to share with the audience. I, I don't I don't think their intention were to go over there and and and, and kill. Mr. Chamberlain, I don't think that their intentions were that, but I, I do think that it escalated to the point that they did have to utilize force, and I think they contributed to that escalation. Um, you know, I think just the, the, the words they said, the, the basically telling we're coming in, we're coming in. And if this gentleman is, is has some uh, uh, confirmed mental illness, uh we talk about bipolar well, no, Keith, disorder. I would, I would, you know, again, I, I think when we use the word confirmed mental illness, bipolar, I think if you look, again, I, he wasn't having a, a mental health episode that night. He was just no, 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 no. What, and accidentally. What saying, okay. I, I get it. But, no, what I'm saying is did the, did the response and the encounter exacerbate his mental illness if he was bipolar? That's what I'm saying. Did did it did mm-hmm. it get to the point of where had he been off his medications? Was it one of those situations where that with the whole incident did it throw him into crisis? I, I don't know, but but I will yeah. I will tell you that those are questions that have to be answered. Yeah. Well, hey Keith, we're coming up on the last minutes of the show. It's been a, a great topic, brother. Uh, hopefully, our listeners, you know. Uh, were in, uh, you know enlightened by the topic that we talked about the the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain and definitely check out the movie with Morgan Freeman that's going to be coming out. Uh, but you got to ask yourself. Well, I'm, I'm going to make this comment before we leave. The, the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain shines a light on the racial injustice. Uh, and so, you know, how does this is this a teaching moment for law enforcement to learn? But Keith, we're going to. Uh, come back together next week and do another episode of You and the Law, but we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in listening to the show, but tune in next week for another episode of You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.